welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck, Leela McRae with me as usual. And Leland, let's start with what's going on in Augusta County and starting with some high school news that we forgot to touch on last week before we got off. Riverheads will have a new basketball coach, Chad Coffey is stepping down as the boys basketball coach at Riverheads High School. Yeah, it was surprising news. It actually broke right the day before we recorded last time. We didn't know where he was going. So it was probably better not to talk about it because we just didn't know the any real story there. But since then, News Virginian uh, had an article on it. And uh, he's headed to the Rockbridge Area Recreation Organization. And he grew up down there. He's from Buena Vista. And he's going to be helping organize the recreational leagues down there, the little leagues. Uh, he won't be, you know, hands-on coaching a high school team like he's been doing for the last, um, I guess, what, 15-plus years now or somewhere in there. Uh, maybe not quite 15, but he's done a great job in the high school level, but he, he won't be doing that anymore. And so um, it was the right move for him. So I'm, I'm happy. You know, he's excited about the move, so I'm happy for him that, that way. I've had a lot of interaction with Coach Coffey, being a Riverheads guy, but also through the Little League program, him running running that and uh, me coaching in that league for two years here before the pandemic. Um, so my mind immediately goes selfishly to the Little League program and, and uh, for my daughters immediately that have played and will play in that league and then the future of that. But also, uh, he's a good basketball coach that's done a lot of winning at Riverheads, and now they're going to have a new coach. And it's not saying there can't be a, a new good coach, uh, but we just have to see what that is before we have – great judgment there. I'm, I'm sure whoever they're hire will have optimism and, and hope it's good, but then it's going to be time to, to, pro- to prove it. And so we don't know who that is. Um, but, you know, this is the second team in this area this summer that's faced a coach stepping away from the coaching job because uh, Coach Sidney uh, Popsicle Diggs out there in Waynesboro, he, he stepped down in June for health reasons, and he cited other reasons, too, that he wasn't reaching the kids the way he wanted to. Um, so both those schools looking to fill those roles. I'm, I'm unaware of Waynesboro filling that job and uh, haven't heard anything out of Riverheads, but we'll probably be hearing that news soon as as the schools deal with this move. It's a, it's a late move for Riverheads. You kind of look at the other aspect of it, uh, Coach Coffey um, being a teacher in the school, so that they have a another hole to fill, um, but it'll be interesting to see how those get filled from the sports side of things. It will, and I, I think you, know, you kind of trust both Waynesboro and Riverheads to be able to fill those positions and people in there that can succeed i'm sure they'll do a good job there but i i I always see kevin madden on the sidelines for riverheads from time to time in the last 20 years um i wonder i just wonder that's the first name that came to my mind is the familiarity with the program and you know he has a incredible resume coaching and and then obviously playing i'm just a all-time legend in our area um and what he was able to do going to college and everything so I, I look there, but there might be another answer out there that I'm just not even thinking about. So I'm, I'm anxious to see who, who they find for that spot. And, uh, and then, like I said, selfishly see how the Little League program um, is able to get moving this year without Coach Coffey, who's been doing it. I'm sure someone else will jump in and be involved, but we'll see who it is. Right. But brings us to the other big high school sport that's getting ready to kick off here in a few weeks. Football, they've got scrimmages getting ready to come up. Fort Defiance 
They'll be at Monticello for their scrimmage. Buffalo Gap is going to Rockbridge County for their scrimmage. James River is coming to Stanton, and TA is coming to Riverheads, and I think you'll have a bird's-eye view of that one. Yeah, I'll be at Riverheads Friday. Uh, everybody should be able to have a bird's-eye view of that, uh, whether they're showing up in Greenville or want to tune in on to uh, NFHS Network. And it's what I did last spring for Riverheads, and I'll be doing it again this year. We're going to have a little preseason run uh, with this with this scrimmage at home against TA. You know, TA's a one of those teams that I wish we could get a regular season game scheduled against uh, Riverheads is 0-4 versus that program in real games. Um, so it's just, it, it'd be an interesting matchup, especially, you know, TA being a class three team. And um, I think they're kind of on the upswing right now. So it, it's interesting scrimmage. We, you know, wins and losses in scrimmage don't mean anything because all the kids are going to get to play for both teams. Um, but it'll be interesting to see some football action. I think the other interesting scrimmage that you just ran off there is, is James River. Uh, play in Stanton. That's Coach Phillips's, uh, where he came from, uh, coaching most recently. So he has that connection. So it's good that they were able to make that uh, scrimmage happen. Good for both teams. And then James River is a team that I believe Buffalo Gap uh, plays early in the season. So it'll just kind of be uh, an interesting, you know, for people that are able to go to those and see how starters match up against starters and stuff like that. It, it doesn't tell the whole story, but I, I do think that's uh, interesting. If I wasn't at a scrimmage, uh, at Riverheads this week, that, that Stanton one be interesting to me just for future matchup kind of things and seeing what kind of players they had. But a lot of good action happening all around. I don't know. Uh, I know Waynesboro had one against Charlottesville canceled this week, but they'll have one next week against LeRae. I don't know Stuart Strafton Wilson's scrimmage schedules. Um, they just I haven't found them posted anywhere. So if any, if any of our listeners know and want to clue us in, that'd be great. Um, but I'm just excited. <laughs> For high school football, you know, you and I were on a conversation with Patrick Height today on Twitter, uh, kind of, you know, talking some minimal stuff there. And uh, it's just I'm excited for high school football. And I think every time we talk about it on the podcast, you can probably pick all the listeners can pick that up that I'm excited about. That's always the what I'm most prepared to talk about. So uh, I'm just happy it's coming and it's it's during the normal season. I really hope, you know, this kind of upswing of the Delta variant can get minimized here so we can continue these seasons. I, I think everybody's kind of taken for granted that, you know, we, we have canceled a sport in the last two years. We canceled in middle of spring season. I just hope that doesn't happen this fall. I really, really hope so. Hope we can get through these seasons altogether because not only for the sport's sake, but for, if, if they have to cancel sports, that means a lot of other stuff's getting canceled too. And that, that that's not what we want. So I, hopefully everybody, you know, does what they can to stay safe and keep everybody else safe. And we can, this moving hopefully that would be good moving to the college level there is some news there virginia tech extends with babcock uh now extended through 2029 that if he makes it to the end of that contract he will be there 15 years i you know what i think i like it because i think overall wit's done a great job i know you are going to come with the negative of being down on Fuente. But I think on paper, when he made that hire with Fuente, we didn't disagree with it. So we can't completely knock him for that. And then I think every other hire, I don't know who we're against. I mean, he's had two great basketball hires. He's had good baseball hire, good wrestling hire, a good women's basketball hire, good softball hire. Um, He's retained coaches throughout. So I think he's doing a great job. I really do. I do know, though, in major college sports, 
your success as an athletic director is completely tied to football. So if football doesn't get turned around or if he doesn't make a move there soon, then he's going to start owning some of that. But I'm fine with the five-year extension. ADs do get extended out multiple years ahead of their – like this is normal process. Um, what he's getting paid uh, we assume is around what he's been making, maybe you know, probably slightly higher. Um, that's reasonable you got to lock these guys up so they can plan for the future. So I, I like this. I, I think it, it fits, and uh, I really don't have anything negative to say about it. I just kind of preview what, you would, what you're going to say is that it's tied to Fuente, and, and either Fuente's got to get it, get it rolling or Witt's going to have some hard decisions ahead of himself. Yeah, I, I really think it comes down to Justin Fuente. I mean, like you said, when the hire was made, I didn't have a problem with it. I think yeah. he's done great in every other coaching decision. So it really is. It's just my only problem with Whip Babcock has been that he's held on to Justin Fuente. So, and like you said, it, it doesn't matter, especially at Virginia Tech, right? Everything is football. Yeah. If this was Duke, if this was Duke, North Carolina, hey, maybe the other stuff being graded at it is enough to make everyone happy. UVA, maybe that's enough to make everybody happy. But at Virginia Tech, it doesn't matter. Virginia Tech basketball could go to a Final Four. If that football team's not going to a bowl game, people are going to be grumbling. So the football team does have to pick it up. This is allegedly year one, 2.0 with Justin Fuente. So we'll see what happens. I imagine week one of year one is going to be a disaster, and we'll be picking up the pieces from there. Jumping back to a positive with the football hire, I do want to point out, he played chess perfectly on that hire people wanted bud foster to be the head coach oh no bud that foster would have been probably bad. had so and he was able to hire a new head coach retain bud foster on that staff and keep bud foster happy until bud foster steps away on his terms and still stays with the university like absolutely power move masterful ability to do this so i i want to kind of second i kind of wasn't thinking that off the bat it's not one of my notes written down here but like that whole move there was incredible. The closeout of Beamer, retaining Bud Foster, and having the, it was just amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think that was smart because I know that was my concern when we got rid of Beamer, was that we were going to go with Bud Foster just because he had been there and it was kind of a reward for him for staying loyal to the program. And I, I just didn't think Bud Foster had a temperament to be a head coach. So not hiring him, I think, was a good move. And like I said, when they hired Fuente, I didn't have a problem with that hire. Year one was great. It's just been, since then, we have learned Justin Fuente has not been able to handle the pressures of a BCS conference, a Power 5 conference. So that's kind of where I am with it. I I think, you know, a seven, eight win season isn't good enough. So I I think he's got to win the Coastal or at least be you know, a heartbreaking loss away from winning the Coastal to another team that kind of surprises us. I think we're going to get blown out by North Carolina. So I don't think that's going to be what happens. Um, We'll see. Apparently, Justin Fuente has all these great wins in his openers that I don't remember being great wins. They were against a bunch of phony teams, and then we lost uh, an opener but to Boston College. But, yeah, I, I just... Outside of his handling of Fuente recently, I think Whit Babcock has done a great job. He has built that program from the ashes, 
at Virginia Tech. He has made the baseball team relevant again. The soccer team has been relevant. Softball's been good. Wrestling has continued to dominate. So I, I think he's done a great job. And he actually had to replace a wrestling coach there. So I think he has done a That's great a job. One, yeah. yep. JMU, they <laughs> extend their softball coach, Lauren Laporte. She also extended through 2019. But I like your note here. 2029. 2029. What did I say? 2019. 2029. Um, but your note, I think, is a very relevant one, so I'll let you say it. I just haven't seen what a buyout is. I, mm -hmm. I see the numbers that have increased, and I, I, I don't know, somewhere between modestly and, and nicely. Um, you know, no blowout numbers, but JMU wasn't able to, isn't going to be able to offer blowout numbers. There's the buyout that I want to know about, and then also commitment to facilities and, and money around the program, and I have to think some of that's there. It's just it's easier for them not to talk about that, and, and that happens all the time. So I'm, I'm not going to get hung up with that. But that buyout numbers are somewhere, and I want to see it. I want, I want uh, you know, our friends at the DNR to find out what that number is because that's the, the most relevant thing. Because if they go back, maybe not even this year, in the coming years, if they get back to a College World Series with her as head coach, the calls are coming from major programs that can easily match the money she's making, if not really surpass it just like Mickey Dean received after, you know, a couple good trips to the playoffs, but no college world series. He got a great number from Auburn. So I just am interested in what that buyout is, how all that works, because that would be a factor for that team coming in for that university coming in. Um, I'm glad she's staying. I, I'm super glad she's saying, I think we already talked about the idea of her staying and, and there, I think there was an announcement that they were going to extend her. It's now official. I'm glad she's still here. I just want to know what that buyout number is. Yeah, and I think for for I, I think you just hit the nail on the head because I know she's saying all the right things right now, right? Like she knew she knew she wanted to be in this area and she's glad that she gets to stay in this area, blah blah blah. But I'm not saying she's lying. I don't think she's lying. I'm just I bet she feels that way right now. I'm yeah. just saying if she, like you said, if she goes to another college world series and zeros start getting added your love for an area, you can love a lot of areas if there's enough zeros. So, like, that's, and she's not going to say, like, yeah, I signed an extension because, you know, I didn't feel like I got a good enough offer anywhere else yet. Like, she's not going to say that. That hurts her recruiting. That hurts her fan base's feelings. She's not going to say that. So, I, I think, I think another College World Series, maybe even one or two super regional appearances and yeah. she is not long for She'll Harrisonburg and that's looks. yeah that's not a knock on JMU not being good enough it's just JMU's not going to have the money that these other programs have it's just a fact if a team like Auburn comes calling like they did for Mickey Dean it's going to be hard to ignore and I, I I know her family like that she's married into. I know her husband. I know her husband's family. I know, you know, the situation she has personally. And so I think some of that is probably more true than a lot of times you hear this out of coaches. You know, this isn't Nick Saban loving LSU or Nick Saban loving Miami, two places he left in the middle of the night. Um, this, this isn't those situations where it's just complete smoke. But I just think opinions can change <laughs> with money. Um, for us all. I mean, I love Stanton. I don't want to move to Stanton. You know, I, I like what Ryan Wiley's doing, our podcast guy from last week. And if enough zeros get added to uh, something he wants to talk to me about, 
I'll start listening. So, I mean, we can all be bought at some point. Yeah. Uh, if you could change your family's life and trajectory. Um, but it, I, 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 she's in a position where that might actually happen. I'm not. So right. <laughs> I know nothing about cognitive tests. Uh, she knows a lot about softball and beating Oklahoma. And a lot of teams in softball don't know how to beat Oklahoma. So that's going to mean something at some point. But here's the other thing, right? We always talk about it from the football aspect. But in terms of, like, softball, this conference expansion is only going to increase that divide. Because now Oklahoma and Texas, who are pretty good softball programs, are joining a, the SEC, which is a pretty good softball conference. They and already put all their teams into the College World Series tournament. They the put rich, all of their teams last year. The rich are getting richer. They will have more money because they're getting more money from going to reach and hosting yeah. regionals and super regionals and going to the college world series. And that, that conference money gets split up between those teams. So they're going to have even more money. The CAA is a one bid league, not having the conference debate today, so, but just saying yeah. it's a one bid league. What, you get one team. What happens? What the happens SEC is going to have like eight. So now, now that Oklahoma, I mean, the SEC will be a, I mean, no, they already, they have, they have 14 teams now. They put 14 teams in the tournament last, last year. Like Ugh. it's ridiculous. The sec. So they're still going to be a 14. Now they'll just have maybe two that don't make it. Like South Carolina might not make it. Yeah. The something. two bubble teams like, won't get in. Yeah. What happens when like Tennessee <laughs> needs a new coach and Hey, here's this coach right up the road has some recruiting in our region. What happens when Florida call comes calling? What happens when South Carolina comes calling? Like, well, we don't know and who the ACC is bringing in or the Big Ten or anybody like that. So, I mean, those are other conferences that will be calling. Want to compete with the SEC at that level. Yeah. yeah, so they'll be calling too. And it's just, I mean, good news, you won't have to worry about the Big 12 because I don't think that's, I mean, <laughs> what's left of the Big 12 may merge with the Pac-12. But, I mean, I don't know how much of that's going to be around. But uh, sadder news, Florida State, uh, obviously that community is going through it right now with Bobby Bowden passing away over the weekend kind of was expected because there had been an announcement. I think it was two weeks ago that it was not a good place, but Bobby Bowden had come to peace with it and was okay with, you know, a terminal illness, terminal yeah. illness, I think was how it was called. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but it ends up being pancreatic cancer, which is sad. Um, it's sad that Bobby Bowden has passed away. I know I didn't root for Florida State when he was the coach, but he was a good coach, and yeah. you've, you've heard a lot of nice things about him. Um, and you've kind of heard how he coached and how he was more about wanting to be a father figure to the players than put the fear of God in the players. So um, that's not always the case. But, and I'm not saying one way is right, one way is wrong, but that is uh, interesting that you see for Bobby Bowden. It worked for him, as you said. Five top five uh, finish, fourteen straight years, won the ACC. Each of those years, um, pretty amazing. Just to think about that kind of dominance. That yeah, he came Florida in the State ACC had. in like '93 and like won it every year until like 2001. Like unbelievable. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. I think Maryland yeah, broke that streak. Yeah, it's just I, he was never my guy, but he's an absolute legend of the sport, and you got to respect that. Um, what one is one of the Allstate commercials where they like they wreck their car and he's like, "It's Bobby Bowden. I'm gonna go touch him." Like, yeah. that's that's the level there of like 
everybody gets that joke. Everybody gets that feeling. And I mean, he's 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 a Dean Smith type of, you know, Dean Smith at North Carolina. He's just an all time coach. Everybody respects him. Um, you know, they they had an unbelievable amount of winning there. You know, he built Florida State, which, you know, is one of those schools you consider a blue blood. That's that's one of those schools. It's easy to think that they could get back to being really good really quick because of what Bobby Bowden built there. Um, their, their last two hires haven't done that yet, but, um, you know, he's done great. His entire career, he was at West Virginia in the 70s, then went down to Florida State and, and really made it go down there. Uh, and all the stories that you've heard over the last two days have been really great and just the character that he was, but also the media's respect for him because he, he gave so much access. And I, I think that's a, in so, such contrast to what we have Virginia Tech right now, and that's something we, that I, I bane on Fuente for is his lack of access, and you don't know who he is as well. And he, I think he's trying to he, – he takes like a week and tries to change the image of that, and then he closes back up. And, you know, in the spring there was a week on Twitter, and all of a sudden he's on Twitter doing this and that, and then he closes back up. And now, you know, he's on TSL and, and getting thrown in a hot tub, but then he closes back up. Like I, I, I just wish – I just don't think you're going to achieve what you want to in Blacksburg being closed up. And I think that's what Bobby Bowden felt was the best approach for him at Florida State in that community, building that program up. Um, and it benefited him. You know, it had the support. Yeah, they did a lot of winning, but there was some trouble along the ways where they, you know, had some recruiting things that didn't go per the book. And he never got ran out of town on something like that and got a lot of benefits of the doubt or, and, you know, gritted your teeth and moved through it and then rooted for him the next week, just the same, you know, that's, that's what can help build a program. And then obviously pull in recruits as they did of course, say, the talent helps. level yeah. that that dude brought to Florida state is, is ridiculous. I mean, how many hall of fame NFL players played it at, at FSU? Just so many. So um, it, it's a big loss to the sport when he retired, but now just that knowing that, he, you know, he's not going to pop in on a game day or something. And, and, um, you know, have some of his phrases he always puts out there and his, you know, Alabama way of talking. It's, it's, a, it's, it's bad for the sport. You don't really have a lot of those characters in the sport lab. You know, Dabo Sweeney's probably one of those good old boy kind of guys that has character, but a lot of, a lot of you know, guys that just don't bring that much character to, uh, to the profession anymore. And Bobby Bowden was his absolute character, and uh, he'll be missed. He'll definitely be missed outside of football, the way he was able to support people. He'll be missed. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I, I, you know, I think it's just one of those things, right? Like, as you said, now we're used to the stoic people, like a Nick Saban or, you know, that kind of guy. And I know you touched on Fuente, and that seems to be the kind of model he wants to have. Um, but if he wants to win as much as those other guys. It'd be great. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you touched on it, and I listened to Levitard talk about it today, and obviously it's a Miami podcast, so Miami being a chief rival of Florida State, it was interesting to hear. He said, you know, that Florida State and Miami were rivals. They hated each other. They played, and when that game kind of determined who was going to be a contender for the national title that year when they would play, uh, he said, but it was always respectful. And yeah. unlike Florida, which they hate and they hate and don't respect <laughs> them. But um, – he said, you know, Bobby Bowden, yeah, he did some stuff. You know, we, they called him Free Shoes University and stuff like that. And yeah, Spurrier called him that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah but it, it kind of rolled off, and it, Bobby Bowden <laughs> was kind of a nice guy. 
and so it made it hard to hate him. And you see the dominance that he had and everything that you touched on. But they touched on, I, I mean, think. He beat, Tech. he beat Tech in a national championship. I hated him that night. Yeah. Hated him. <laughs> um, but I think he touched on one of the reasons Bobby Bowden was able to have that success and maybe the reason Florida State and Miami have lost that success that they used to have. And I, I think it does play a role for Virginia Tech as well because Virginia Tech had a similar instance or a similar advantage at the time. But Florida State and Miami were like, hey, we've got this hotbed down here that no one else is going after. And they recruited them. National TV wasn't as big back then. So it was like, hey, come play for us. Your folks will definitely be able to watch every game. Also, we're kind of a big deal. We'll be on national TV. Now everyone's on national TV. And other schools are able to go into your area more freely to recruit. Uh, Virginia Tech at the 757 was able to take advantage of that. When Virginia Tech was rolling, we were not losing in-state people. We were bringing them to Virginia Tech, and we were rolling through people. And then everyone else was like, oh, they're getting these people from these, this area. And they went in, and you know whether it's been strictly legal or by the book is up for debate. But yeah, I mean, we've them. lost some people in-state, and so we have kind of suffered. Very accurate on that, but definitely a legend of sport passing away is always negative to hear, but uh, it's a good time to celebrate him too. One of those, my favorite one I think I've seen is, and I think I missed it when it happened, when it was a, towards the end of his coaching career and he's coming off the field at halftime and, you know, he'd give you real answers. And she asked, you know, you're holding, you're holding so much, you know, how do you, how do you fix that? And he's like, we're just going to have to go in there and pray. We've got to pray until we stop holding. Like, just like just that character of an answer. That's that's not the blow you off answer coach speak. That's just him being a character, even in that moment. And you can see he's frustrated with the with every with everything going on. But he still can deliver that real answer with a little bit of humor in it to a sideline. Well, and it's that's who he was. You got to appreciate that. Yeah. And that's not a great question. Like, how do you stop holding? Well, you don't do it like. Yeah, but. At least he wasn't nasty like Nick Saban is when he gets a, asked a question he doesn't like going into the locker room or someone yeah. else. I mean, Seth Greenberg. And he stopped and talked to her. He, you know, he didn't just keep running like these guys do now. Yeah. yeah. that's what, You know what? And going back, totally different topic, but Buzz Williams. That's what I liked about Buzz Williams, too. I know he got made fun of by yeah, Seth Greenberg one time because he answered her question, gave her the strategy behind what he was going to do, and the answer yeah. – the reason for his answer, and Seth Greenberg sitting back there like, oh my gosh, I didn't think he was going to stop talking. And be like, well, at least we know he knows what he's talking about and not whatever the hell you were doing at halftime when we would get blown out in the second half. And then you would just talk about he's how gonna, the committee screwed us. But He's going to leave term, town on his term, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's talk about happier stuff. The Olympics. The United Whew, States waited so until the last about. day. But we won the most golds, we won the most medals, we beat the Chinese, and we are the best at the Olympics once again, this time in Tokyo. And, we've, and that's some streaks we have going for the most medals, a long streak on most medals. And most the, golds most isn't goals. nearly as long, but yeah, it was nice it's to win It's not nearly as long, but it's a solid little streak, and I think there was only one blip on it for a while. So yeah, yeah we were traditionally good in the Summer Olympics. Um, it was good to get that gold medal count surpass we didn't get to the to the gold number for joe's bets but you know we're still okay. able to get number one which which we gotta like it 
it was just a balance of, of teams that we thought would win gold that didn't, you know, in different sports that we kind of expected. And then there was ones that we didn't expect that we did. So it's just been, I thought it was overall a really positive thing for um, U.S. athletics and, uh, uh, you know, a good time to have it. A good time to have everybody rooting for the same thing for a couple of weeks. You'd think. <laughs> Generally. Yeah. Well, the real Patriots were rooting for our athletes. The other ones weren't. Um, they were on Twitter complaining about them wanting equality and stuff. But um, Italy, I watched the men's relay. That just, I'll just say it was surprising. I did not realize, and that well, and they had touched on this was like the first time Italy has medaled in that event, period, and they won gold. Yeah. Well, I mean, their guy uh, Marcel Jacobs won the hundred individual, and that was a surprise. You know, yeah. you have Jamaica, you have U.S. sprinters, you have uh, the Canadian there that was very good, a great like a lot of guys. You know, that hundred final is so competitive, and. Um, you know, there were Bolt dominated there for a while, but usually it's just a very competitive race. That's what made Bolt so special. And there, there he goes and wins it. He just doesn't have the body of all those other guys, and he wins it. Well, then here comes the four by 100, and you think, okay, they have to have three other guys that can, can battle this. They did. And they weren't even talking about him pre-race. They weren't talking about I mean, they, Italy's here. That guy won the, the individual. Yeah. That was it. You know, they didn't talk about the team and, and each leg of that. There they go and win it. And so... As much as I want USA to win it, they weren't even in the final. We'll get to that in a second. I, it was cool to see. It's cool to see that major upset uh, in, that, in that position. You know, as, as much as we argue other stuff and talking about upsets and this and that, I don't want to get all back to that. It was cool in that race, especially with USA not being involved, to, to see them really maximize on their, their strong runners this year in the, in the short distance. Well, I had joked with you, big summer for Italy, because they win the 100 meter, they win the men's relay, and then they won the Euros in soccer, which is probably the most important to them. But, I mean, big yeah. summer. That's three big events. Yeah. The, the interesting thing was the men uh, from the U.S. that didn't even qualify for the final. They were out in the semifinals. Uh, they had – it was just a sloppy race. They didn't have good handoffs. Um, and, and, and more to it than that. And Carl Lewis called it all out. He called out the handoffs were bad. They didn't have the right runners in the right positions. They just didn't seem ready to go. They weren't, they weren't, didn't have leadership. And some people were firing back at that. I was like, this is Carl Lewis talking. You, you shut up and listen. Carl Lewis is talking about how to run some track. You shut up and listen and you don't question it. You hear what he has to say and move forward and try to be better. This guy absolutely knows what he's talking about. Absolutely no question. This is Michael Jordan saying how someone should play basketball. This is, you know, I, <laughs> Joe Montana talking about playing football. Like this is the best of the best having a comment on this. It, it's one tweet. People thought it was disrespectful to the, to the runners. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. Their performance was as pretty disrespectful. Their, yeah. And they beat their chest and how great they are. It's, it, it kind of makes you open for that. And it's a tradition for the U S to run well. And so when you fall that short, yeah, you're going to take some negative heat. And when Carl Lewis, if Carl Lewis is the one doing it, you know, these guys sit on the couch, these guys hosting a Yak Sports podcast. If they're the ones just throwing shade on these runners, shut up. You know, I, I'm not here to add to it. But Carl Lewis says it, it carries some weight. So I just, I thought that was ridiculous. Um, someone made the point as well, if they just all would have pulled out for mental health, everybody would consider him a hero. Shut up. Delete your Twitter if you say that. I said that directly to someone on Twitter because it's just, 
if Simone Biles would have failed like these guys failed at running a four by one, Simone Biles would have been absolutely trashed for failing. So don't don't tell me that that that's something. Well, so, Mike Tarico's um, Mike Tarico before the final going through that like montage of the past like three Olympics, I think it was the three the past three summer Olympics. We haven't medaled in that event. It's been no. terrible. I mean, it's it's always the same thing. It's the baton. It's a down. We can't yeah. figure out the baton. And so I'm hoping in the next four years we will master the baton passing off. So in Paris, we can at least be in the final. Uh, but like the fact that we haven't medaled in that event, we, we're competitive. We should do better. We have qualified. The individual events, we are should, so much better. Yeah. Yes. It's we just got to put, we got to have it stop being individual and come together as a team. You see it in the pool. You see these guys work together in the pool. They jump out. They're hugging each other. They all win the medal together. And even if it's a silver, not even a gold, they're happy about it. You see these guys just kind of breaking apart. There's four of them in an interview. One walks away. The other, it's just, you, you can just see it right off the bat. Well, there's not a but baton in the pool, but yeah. Positively on the track, Alex Felix is absolute positive. Uh, she now owns the most medals by any individual uh, female Olympian, which is super awesome. She won the bronze in the 400 in the individual, and then she was on that gold plate, gold finishing 4x400 four team. And uh, it was awesome. She's at the end of her running career. Uh, she's had a baby since the last time she was in the Olympics. And uh, it's just a great story. I also found it interesting, you know, the sponsorships that she lost or, or were highly affected when she had a baby and people just told her to hang it up and get out of the way. And she goes out and proves them all wrong. I, I love it. And I, that was one of those uh, events out of all these Olympic events that when she came on the TV to run my kids, Hey girls, watch her, all my kids, watch her. So this is awesome. And uh, so that was a real positive on the track. Yeah. I, I didn't understand that whole, like, Oh, she should just retire and let the other people, if she's still one of the fastest people, like she's got to earn her way oh. there. It's not like, they're going to pick yes. someone who's not one of the fastest people. So right. if she earns her way on the team, like she deserves to be there. And she did. She medaled in the individual. She won gold on the relay, like you said. My takeaway was she's 35 years old and is the third fastest woman in the 400 meters. Like that's insane. It's great. Absolutely great. Inspiring for, for everybody. Uh, but yeah, I, I made sure I did make sure my daughters were paying attention to that uh, for a reason. So I don't even want to uh, run 400 meters. Example. Like, forget timed. I don't want to run 400 meters. Period. So oh, no. the fact that she's doing it three years older than I am is amazing. Um, but <laughs> U.S. basketball, the men—they did it, man. They did it. They they took that loss to France to open. They had some other scary games, but they won including this gold medal game at one point, I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Uh, somewhere in the 0 for 9 three-point start, I was like, hey guys, maybe we just don't shoot threes now. Like, but they figured it out. They ended up winning. Good for them. I will say this. I don't want to see Greg Popovich coach this team again. Yeah, I think they need something new there. I think they need to act like they lost this. I think the, the, the panic that was surrounding this team as we – got to Japan after those exhibitions and all that, I think you need to live with that panic and know that the gap is gone. You know, we're, we're the best, uh, best national program, sure. We're going to put a team full of NBA players out there if we want to, which, you know, we do. Um, that's fine, but the gap's gone. You know, we, we can't afford 
to be messing around. So I do think there's been some some better buy-in. Uh, you know, the coaching strategies could probably use – Popovich is a great coach, but I just think it's it's not working for the USA team uh, anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad they did it. I'm glad what America wins. But when these guys rather be playing in the NBA finals, you know, the guys that were Booker and those guys that had to come over late, it, that matters more to them to, to win the NBA finals. So it just – it does make me care less. If they wouldn't have won this, I would not have been as disappointed for them because I'm like, they don't even care as much as they would care to win another championship in the NBA. So I'm glad they won. I'm glad, you know, you were screaming early that they weren't going to win, and I was defending them. Then they gave me no evidence to defend them with, so I had to come off that a bit. But I am glad they won. Um, yeah, I'm glad I was wrong. And they'll be the favorite next time. They'll be the favorite next time no matter what they do. I am to the point, though, we see the baseball team go out there with non-major leaguers. I, I'd, be, I'd be comfortable if we just say, hey, this isn't our pros' number one thing. This isn't the dream team. We're not getting all Hall of Famers filling out this roster like we used to, and we just wanted to come in here and show our dominance in the sport. I'd be fine if we send col- you know, the college kids that are the best or the, or the, the very young, you know, a mixture of, of young players in the NBA that do want to be there and, and some college players. I, it wouldn't bother me. And then if we don't win it, at least you could say, well, that's because all these Hall of Famers aren't playing. You know, all these great guys aren't playing. And it's not just that they didn't choose to. It's that our focus is these young guys, and that's the schedule for, the, for them not to be there. And um, I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to do that. Now that the gap is gone, I just I don't want to be disappointed in these guys not going. I, I want guys that want to be there. And I and want to commit to being there for an eight year period, you know, like be involved in the program for a two Olympic swing or something, you know, and, and you're going to have to mix some guys in and out, but have some continuity. I'm, I'm interested in that. U.S. basketball, uh, the women won their seventh straight gold. They beat Japan in by almost 30. Um, unlike the men, they didn't really have any scares. The yeah, beach Tarazi volleyball. And, yeah. Tarazi and Super have like five medals. Each mm-hmm. one of them do. It's amazing. But the beach volleyball, they continue to win golds there in the U.S., even though it's new names now, April Ross and Alex Kleinman. Uh, they well, we didn't Australia. win last time. They, uh, Brazil won four years ago or five years ago. But I think we had I won the so. one before that. So, I mean. Yeah, probably. It's only been around since, like, 96. So there's only so Misty many of May them. But, yeah, we were very good had at. quite a run. Yep. So April Ross and Alex Kleinman uh, beating Australia was – was nice to see that helped. Um, I just think, you know, that's a, that's a fun sport. I like volleyball, whether it's indoor or on the beach. I love watching that event. Um, I know the next Olympics summer Olympics is going to be in Paris, so it'll be a little more time zone friendly and I won't have to try to catch it at 3 AM or something like that. I mean, I know the baseball, which we'll talk about here in a second, we miss, um, I missed because it was on. It came on at 6 a.m., but I had stayed up to watch the men's basketball team until 2, so I had kind of foregone watching baseball. The semifinal and final for beach volleyball came on at like 10 o'clock at night, which was nice. Um, so that, those are the two I caught. I didn't catch before that. But, yeah, and those two could stay together. We could see them again in, uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's just three years now. So uh, it'll be fun. I, I like when we had um, Walsh and uh, – Misty yeah, May. the one you just said. Misty May. Carrie yeah. Walsh. Misty May. When we had those and they were kind of good together for a while and then we still had Walsh and April Ross 
uh, you know, it was it was fun to see that continuity. I hope these two can at least one more Olympics, if not two more. That'd be a lot of fun uh, to see that. And Australia was very, it was good, but it wasn't as competitive. You know, four years ago when we played Brazil and lost, that was a heck of a match. But even the build up to that, the semifinals and I think even quarterfinals were very highly contested. The U.S. kind of this this A team kind of had an easier role uh, this time, and it was fun to see. It was kind of fun to see them dominate in that this time. In the NBA, uh, I don't have a lot here, but the Lakers have a new roster, um, courtesy for LeBron James, and it's it's kind of an older team that I don't know is built for the long haul. It's definitely not season. built for the long haul. Yeah, I I think they just have bodies, so when Dwight Howard's hurt, they can depend on offense from another spot. When Carmelo isn't rolling, they they're gonna have another guy that they can depend on. They think. Um, you know, people are trying to make it out as the, you know, um, AARP team. The Nets aren't super young either. The Nets have an older team and, and they're probably the next top favorite out there. Like they have guys in their thirties as well. The Lakers are older, but it's, it's not sub substantial average age difference there. Um, but the Lakers are built for a year or two right here and that's it. And the Nets are kind of, you know, hoping to go on a little bit of run with that guy because with, with Durant and their big three. Um, I don't like it, <laughs> but I don't like the Lakers, so it's easy to say. Uh, yeah, I just I'm not going to be rooting for this team, whether they got these guys or not. But it's just they, they had some options, you know. They apparently could have added some some younger point guard other than Russell Westbrook, and they just didn't pull the trigger on it. And I I don't understand that. I don't understand why when you have Anthony Davis, why you don't at least think about three years from now instead of just really commit to two years. But because LeBron wanted Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I just, I don't think this gets him a championship, so I just don't understand it. That's, that's short of it. LeBron, when he's building his super teams, doesn't necessarily do a great job. So let's go ahead and send it to John Leonard though, in the B block. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Yak Sports Podcast. This week, we have John Leonard with us. And John, as we touched on last week, is the Valley League expert who knew just exactly how the entire season was going to play out. They went ahead and played the games anyway for the kids, but John had already told us what was going to happen, and he was right. So, John, congratulations on knowing that Strasburg was going to beat Waynesboro with your prediction. But I want to talk about in a non-joking way, just the kind of baseball they had in the Valley Baseball League, because there was some concern. I mean, we didn't play in 2020 in the Valley, and then you also had all these other leagues popping up that were, you know, potentially taking talent away from the Valley. But overall, I felt it wasn't a it wasn't a bad year, and I didn't see a, a drop-off really at all in terms of the talent level. You know, it was actually uh, quite a good year as, as far as talent goes. Um. We had a number of pitchers that could that can run it up there in the mid nineties. Um, had some good hitting prospects as well. Uh, I I think that COVID probably played a little bit into this because there's so many kids out there that had extra eligibility and uh, were looking looking for a place to play. I don't think there was any drop off this summer at all. So we we nailed we talked about you nailing the Waynesboro Strasburg, but. Who was the biggest surprise to you in terms of 
individuals and the way they performed, or maybe not even a surprise, but who stood out as the very best in the Valley? I know uh, Buellman won the uh, MVP, but who are some other names? Uh, I think I think Buellman, for sure, from Winchester, uh, did win the MVP, as you mentioned. Nate, Nate Furman, also from Winchester, he's their second baseman. He just consistently produced all summer long and uh, actually ended up with the highest on-base percentage of any Valley League player in the last 25 seasons. Um, he That's ended up insane. With an, of an OBP of 570, um, and he hit over 400. I think combined playoffs in regular season, he hit 419, which is tied for the third best in the last 25 years. Um, stole a bunch of bases as well. I'm uh, he's from UNC Charlotte. I'm really curious to see how he's going to perform this coming spring in school. Well, I want to I want to turn things here now to back to the champions in Strasburg. They're coached by George Loss. He's a local guy here for us. Uh, coaches Stanton High School baseball, but he got to coach the Strasburg Express and bring them the championship. I know you and I have talked about this. Uh, John, but I want, I'll go ahead and let you talk about it on terms of on the podcast, but one of the key differences for Strasburg in the Valley Baseball League, I felt in a war of attrition, they didn't lose a whole lot. No, they didn't. Um, they did, they did have a couple guys leave, but not as many as, as what a lot of teams have. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the culture that, that George built around that team this summer. Uh, worked really hard at, at building um, building community there, really. And uh, those kids those kids were excited to stay. And I know I know the kids were saying when the game was over, they were saying that they'd love to come back to Strasburg. Is, is how well the summer went. So I, I think I think George did a great job up there this summer. Well, speaking about George, I want to talk to you about your impressions. Leland and I talk to him all the time. I think we've had him on here before. I know I've talked to him on 40 Sports, and um, speaking of 40 Sports, John is going to be on an episode with me. We're going to do a season recap. It's been a bit hectic with the Valley Baseball League and everything falling apart around 40 Sports that I wanted to get done. But um, when you're talking to George this season, what are some of the takeaways on your end and just your personal dealings with him? Well, I well, first of all, isn't isn't the Valley League just a sprint, Joe? Like yes. I, I thought I was going to have time to like maybe do other things. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a one hundred or two hundred. It's it's not a four hundred or anything. It's it's quick. It's it's crazy. Started on June fifth, and I just didn't. I wasn't able to do anything else. Like somebody asked me the other day, like, what TV shows are you watching? I said, TV. <laughs> what is that? I'm I'm, do, I'm dealing with the Valley League. Anyway, George. <laughs> I, George is just one of the, the truly nice people um, that I've come across in this league. Uh, you know, he really, really cares about the kids under his care. Um, he wants everybody to have a good experience. He wants to develop those players the best that he can. Um, I just, I'm just i just so impressed with George as, as a person um, and as a coach, too. I don't mean to shortchange that at all. But uh, I, I think George is an A-plus human if, if we're grading each other. <laughs> yes. 
I, I, we're not going to ask for any other grades on people involved in this podcast or anything. We'll we'll skip past that. Yeah, we don't want to be compared to George. That's not going to be my question at the end is to grade you guys. <laughs> no, I already told you. I mean, John made me scratch my original question on who was going to win the 2022 championship, but. Um. <laughs> I suppose you're probably trying to find a way to put money on it. <laughs> no, still can't gamble on collegiate events in the state of Virginia. But John, um, let's. I want to allow you to plug yourself here. What are you going to be doing in the off season? Oh boy, I've already started working on on a lot of that. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to do some of the things that I do every year, such as the the top hitters list, uh, top starting pitchers, and top relief pitchers. Um, I know I have my hitters list together, and I'm working on my starting pitchers list right now. Um, I'm also going to be working on park factors for the league. Um, And then summing up as well, Like I like to uh, put all the stats together for the entire season and see where it it lines up with the rest of of sort of Valley League history. Um, Since I have the the total stats all the way back, almost to when the league started with wooden bats. Um, the league started with wood in 1993, and I have I have complete stats from 1994. So, right. uh, you know, after the 2019 season, I discovered that it actually was perhaps the, the most offensive-heavy season that the league has ever seen, and that was surprising. Um, I thought that it would have been 2012. But uh, I'm very curious to see where, where the 20... 21 season matches up with with some of those other seasons so and i haven't done that work just yet but that's that's all off-season stuff definitely looking forward to reading all that that's i mean i've been a all things valley reader for more than a decade now so i'm I, that's what i always look for in the off-season is that so definitely looking forward to that um, so we're moving us ahead. Uh, I know you said you, you did all Valley league all summer. I know you've at least kept a, a, out of the side of your eye, what's going on with major league baseball. And the good thing for you is ever since you got done with Valley league, probably dominating your nightly, uh, time is that the Phillies have really come alive and, and here they are sitting in first place in the NL East. What a surprise that is, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm very pleasantly surprised by that. And, um, and also, you know, Bryce Harper is having quite an excellent season, and that was under my own radar there for a while. Um, but, yeah, I got a chance to watch um, Zach Wheeler actually last night shut out the Mets. I guess it was yesterday afternoon, and just sat down and watched the Phillies for an afternoon, first time in quite a while. So, yeah, I've kept a little bit of an eye on him, but uh, now I'll be jumping back into that pool for sure. So that – and that NL East, I mean, I think that's what we said last time we talked to you, and, and the season had already been going on uh, fairly well. But, you know, that NL East is winnable. And, you know, winning against the Mets, you know, sweeping the Mets this weekend, all part of that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a winnable division. And, I mean, you guys are playing the strongest baseball of them all right now. Braves are, Braves are also playing pretty well right now. But uh, you're playing as good as anybody in that division and, and really as good as anybody in the National League this last week. Well, it's it's going to take winning that division to get into the playoffs. I think, right. With the, yes. with the West being so strong, but uh, yeah, um, it's kind of delightful to be in August and have the Phillies be playing meaningful games. Um, I, I 
kind of saying, I'm looking around like there's there's a hidden camera or something. I'm not sure how I should feel about this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. Well, I don't know if I'm rooting for the Phillies for you, but I'm I'm happy for you, and and if whatever that means, that means. <laughs> well, I, I I guess I appreciate that. <laughs> But that NLS, that's the monster of Major League Baseball right now. You know, the Dodgers and Padres coming into the season, that's what everybody talked about. And and they've, you know, lived up pretty well. I mean, the Padres are sitting third in that division, and uh, they're 64 and 49. So they're they're doing their part. It's just the Giants have kind of taken off in front of everybody. And I, I think that's surprising this year. But it's surprising in the same sense that it was surprising the other years they've been good. It seems like they just kind of quietly went out there in the Bay Area and uh, here they are doing it again. They sure are, and I, I don't know. They're they're a pretty old team again, aren't they? Yeah. Like, I, yes. And you keep waiting for the wheels to come off, and they're thirty games over five hundred now. So um, maybe the wheels won't come off. Maybe it'll be the uh, the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres battling it out to the end there. Yeah, and then that creates that wild card with the Dodgers and Padres, which just would be kind of epic if that holds on, which it very well can. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just as much as people talk about East Coast bias, all the best baseball seems to be getting played out in the West right now. Right, the East Coast bias. <laughs> <laughs> we all have it. It's got to have something to do with the, with the time change, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that why – why that uh, that term gets bandied about like it does well yeah because yeah. the west coast behind. people hate that all the tv is made for tv markets on the east coast but yeah, yeah. live where the people are so as as a media member who gets accused of bias every once in a while and it's it's not it's not particularly fun to get accused of such things, but yeah. <laughs> yeah well we typically don't get a well that's not true we do get accused of bias we, one leland does more so than me but well, I admit my one bias because it, it's in my blood, but past that, yeah, there's, there's, I don't know. No one, I no one else I'm involved with. I was going to say, sometimes local fans get upset, but I have a bias for the truth, and sometimes they don't like that. So Joe's bias is like who he, who he doesn't like. It's never like Joe is biased because he likes the team. He always has biases like, no, I'm done with them. They're, they're no good. There's no chance. You know, like he just writes them off. But that's year to year, and that's after they disappoint me once or twice. But then the other thing is like West Point. Guys, I've been listening to you guys for a long time, and you guys in your Charlottesville, your bias against Charlottesville. Oh, and I'm what are definitely you talking about? I am definitely, I am for sure biased against. Charlottesville. I did not. That was not me fist pumping in the Harrisonburg press box when they announced that Waynesboro had knocked them out of the playoffs. That was not me. I was sitting right next to you, Joe. I can personally attest to how you responded. To <laughs> it, it wasn't me it. fist pumping at my house when Joe said it on air during the Braves game that Charlottesville had lost. <laughs> uh, but Joe, you won't even mention the, the city of Boston for, for most of, <laughs> what you have to say on this podcast. Well, that's because Ooh. that city has cost me some money in uh, investment opportunities. Mostly, mostly on the ice, though. That's true, but it's also, I mean, how can you root for that baseball team? Bunch of cheaters. Speaking of cheaters, we have the Field of Dreams game coming, and it's honoring the, you know, the Black Sox scandals of, uh, you know, the days of yore. Uh, and the Yankees and White Sox play Thursday out in uh, Dyersville, Iowa. 
and they have built the special park in the cornfield uh, just adjacent to the, the, the movie scene that still exists out there. What do you think about that whole deal out there, John? Are you are you tuning in Thursday night? What's where are you at on that? Oh boy, I I did see the uniforms that they were putting these teams in, and why why are they putting the White Sox in the nineteen nineteen Black Sox uniforms? Because they're cool. I okay, the, the uniforms are kind of cool. That's true, but are I mean, is Major League Baseball just going whole hog into the the betting thing now, the gambling thing? They've already signed deals with sports books, might as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, in America, John, we have to celebrate our past, no matter what that past is. And uh, that's what Major League Baseball has bought into. Not, I'm not saying that, <laughs> but you know, the cool the uniforms didn't cheat; just the people in them. It's just. Isn't it interesting that a couple big-time Hall of Famers got in trouble in the 70s because they were greeters at casinos? And now Major League Baseball has just uh, gone into partnership with with, uh, with the gambling industry. I think uh, – I don't know what's going to happen here in the future, but it's been an interesting last few months, isn't it? It has. I'd say it, it's smart of baseball to – do whatever it takes to have people interested in what's going on there. Um, and then this is, you know, heavily Joe influenced, but baseball buying into gambling is only makes it younger. And that's only a good thing for this thing. What happens when that first player gets in trouble for, for betting on games? Well, that's, you then still we'll- have that rule. Like you need the integrity of the game. So you still have the rule that you can't bet on baseball if you're playing it. 70 years later, Kevin Costner's grandson will make a movie about, about that. I don't, I don't know with Major League Baseball. I mean, think, think about how. Well, hockey's dealing with it right now. They are. I'm, I'm just thinking about how, you know, the, think about how like ESPN doesn't want doesn't want their like if they have a contract with Major League Baseball, they don't want any of their personalities to say anything negative about the sport, right? Right. Protecting their interests. Correct. What what happens when we have that gambling scandal that pops up in baseball? And how is is it just going to be a heavy dose of irony? Um, is <laughs> where where you're, you're going to have you're going to have an article about how this player was betting on his own games, and that the article is sponsored by DraftKings. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how that's all going to work. <laughs> yeah, you're touching on to something that I I also think is interesting. It's the problem you have when these leagues make these deals with networks and then the networks can't have the journalistic arm. You're going to need somebody. It's going to be like a New York Times or a Washington Post or whatever newspapers there that breaks that story. It's not going to be... All Things Valley is going to be all over it. Yeah, All Things Valley League is going to have to report it. It's not going to be ESPN. <laughs> ESPN is not reporting a Major League Baseball betting scandal. And neither is the MLB Network, obviously. I don't know. They they reported on Tim Donahue, the referee for the NBA, and and they were showing NBA games at that time. And listen to that can... listen to that podcast on the Tim Donahue betting scandal. ESPN took the oh, this was a isolated incident. Tim Donahue's the only one who ever did this. Only one. There has been a lot of smoke around other people, and the NBA said, "Nope, done. Quick investigation, done." They don't. They didn't want that talked about, and it's not talked about. 
ESPN is not ESPN does not do any investigations on things. Well, I was trying to make the case that they used to, and at that time they did. Now they wouldn't. Like that's. I mean, I, they killed. I, not they killed the concussion story. That they partnered. I with. don't know. We're just one. We're just. <laughs> Steve that documentary Young, that they pulled out on ESPN. Steve Yon on ESPN not that long ago said, we're going to see someone die on the field, and we're still that away from seeing how ESPN really reacts. And you're not going to be able to hide that. It didn't stop them from pulling out of the documentary that they were working with on concussions when the NFL said, we don't want you to be involved in this. Yeah. Well, despite all that, NFL and and young football is losing numbers as it is. So. Good topic, John. A different, a, a great debate for another time as well. <laughs> I do, I do have breaking news uh, dealing with the Valley League. Tell you me what you got. Yeah, Aubrey Huff, who was oh, a former, I know this, former Stanton <laughs> baseball club player, uh, has been suspended from Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> we got one. <laughs> Love it. I that made me so happy. Uh, Mr. Huff has not has not been terribly uh, gentle with his opinions. Let's put it that way. He's he's one of the stand braves I don't really tout too often. Uh, so, John, I know you've been busy here, but these last two weeks have been a little looser for you. Olympic baseball was going on, particularly this last week. The USA fell to Japan in the final, so they get the silver medal, which is still. Very good. I know John, or I know Joe was really pulling for those goals everywhere you can get them. But uh, Mike Sosha managed that team. There was It was pretty much comprised of minor league players. Uh, were you able to catch any of the Olympic baseball this last week? Well, this is, this is embarrassing, but no. I, I did oh, not man. Watch, good answer. I didn't watch any of it. Shame on me. Man, I, was, I, I didn't expect that answer, so I, I'm embarrassed that I set you up for, for that. Uh, <laughs> Because I was hoping there was that one nugget, you know, one Valley League player that was in there or something that I was that I was hoping to pull in. But well, I imagine there, if there was, you'd have been watching it. There was a Valley League player who played for Team Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it was Nick Rickles who played for Lou Ray back probably in, I think, 2008 or 2009. Uh, he's been retired from pro baseball for a few years, but uh, he's played with Team Israel for a couple – international tournaments well you brought up you brought up professional baseball and the fact that our team is not major league baseball professional right japan canceled their or put a break into their season so their best could go play for team japan in the olympics and our minor league players or or college kids or independent league guys or other foreign league guys Mostly minor league players. Well, basically every other place other than Major League Baseball is where our players are from. Finished two runs behind Japan in a gold medal game. On Twitter, there was a person who should also probably have their Twitter Twitter account suspended that celebrated when we lost, saying maybe we should stop calling the World Series champions the world champions. Maybe you should shut up. Like, maybe Major League Baseball proved a point. We didn't even send our best, and we lost by two. I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about, Joe. It was Pierce Morgan, the worst. 
Oh my goodness. How are you quoting that dude? Because it bothered me when he said it. <laughs> uh, that goes with me though. And I, I, I have already said this in the A block, but I, these, I said it other weeks too. If the, if the winning the gold medal isn't your sports pinnacle, then I am less interested. I'm not saying I'm not, I want us to win gold. I want us to win the basketball goals and all that, but I'm just less interested. So the fact that baseball doesn't send their best, like I'm rooting for them. I hope they win, but they don't. I'm also not heartbroken because if they won that, it would still be second to a world series trophy that they win. And so I'm fine with it. And I, you know, I'm proud that they finished that, that well. John, how do you feel about, do you, okay, let me ask you this, John. Do you think Major League Baseball should put a two-week break into their season so Major Leaguers can go play? Oh, goodness. Um, I think it would be fantastic if they did. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be something to see the best? The it would best help a lot of countries, not just USA. Yeah. Yeah. It would I, help us more than others, but yeah. That's yeah. true. That I think it'd be amazing to watch the tournament. I just don't. Oh, know the Dominican Republic play. gets really good really quick. How that, that's also true. Um, yeah, it would be a true international tournament, then, wouldn't it? Boy, um, I know like the world the World Baseball Classic doesn't always have the top top uh, North American players either. Um, it'd be a lot of fun to watch it. I just don't, the, the, the industry is just too big. You know, you're talking yeah. a five, six billion dollar industry. I don't know how you shut it down. Uh, yeah. Even I, just for two weeks. I don't get the logistics of that either. I, every four years you I play do, two weeks less of games. Yeah. That would really break the piggy banks over there at major league baseball. Well, I mean the way they act, it, apparently it would. I do wonder if when it's in LA, if they're motivated to, to work it out somehow, start the season a week earlier and start it a week later and have that in there. I wonder if this American uh, league, uh, the league that's based in America, when the Olympics are America, if they if they ponder that. But it's going to help a lot of countries. Trotting out the best pitchers just game after game after game. That'd just be amazing. I'm tuned in I mean, for that, I bet. That's the thing, though. We have all these all-star games. We have all these world tournaments. And we still don't always get the best players there. Like, we do send our NBA players. We don't get the best NBA players there. We get the World Baseball Classic that is played when real games aren't being played. We still don't get the best, best players there. I mean, I guess the World Cup is, is is pretty good. But other than that, like, I just don't know how many other collections of the best of the best that we get that actually we, act, we, we do. The World Cup that. is the best. It, you have to have a reason to not be playing internationally because of FIFA rules. Um, doesn't it come down to like the, the baseball players still look at their regular season as being more important than these mm-hmm. tournaments but oh, yes. a, soccer, a soccer player would never look no. at the World Cup that way that's accurate that's the difference I mean that's the difference and I, the I loved the World Baseball Classic I would love for the best players now we I mean most of the we still have a high level in the World Baseball Classic like we, we didn't send scrubs out there when we won it um but I think even that, I think you, it was most of the high-profile guys that didn't were Americans. I feel like most of the Dominican players went and played for the Dominican. I feel like most of the Puerto Rican players went and played for Puerto Rico. I feel like most of the Japanese players went and played for Japan. Like, it's just, 
just Americans that kind of like poo-poo it. What is what is that from the the individualistic attitude of of our of our country for? I don't know where years? you would get that, John. But I mean, maybe it's all about me. It's all about me. I just it just bugs me. I mean, it would be just so cool if we just played and. I mean, I love the argument, well, we don't want him to get hurt. How many times have I watched a spring training game and a guy gets hurt in spring training and then can't play? I mean, it's There's no more risk there than them getting hurt in spring training. Or apparently with, and I know these injuries are made up so they don't lose contract money, but getting out of the car. Oh, I sprained my neck and now I'm out for three weeks because I couldn't get out of the car properly. That's an old man's injury right there. It's a yeah, it's a fake injury in baseball. It's they were out <laughs> jumping on a trampoline like an idiot drunk and fell off or something. But dude, I I've sneezed like when Sammy Sosa was out for a sneeze, I like actually didn't even balk at it. I, I think I've had some of those. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, John, so you've been too busy for being entertained outside of live Valley League baseball and whatever other baseball you picked up that we've already grilled you on. So what are you looking forward to taking in? What's what's on the to-do list entertainment-wise, whether it's TV, movies, books, magazines, stargazing? What, what, are, you, what are you looking forward to? <laughs> never, never got too into stargazing. Uh, I, um, let's see, I think the the biggest thing probably is that I have time to read again. Uh, I just wasn't reading very much in the last eight weeks, and I'm very excited about some of the books that I'm accumulated because I don't ever stop buying books. Um, So uh, there is that that I'm excited about. Um, and then also kind of getting caught up on some some fun, I don't know, uh, my wife and I like watching some TV shows together and, and uh, getting caught up on some of those things. Um, actually, I know what it is now. Um, the movie News of the World is coming out on HBO in early September, and I'm very excited to watch that because I love that book. There you go. That's what I'm really looking forward to. All right. I want to see that too. I didn't know it was coming out on HBO. That's good. That's that Tom Hanks with the little girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'm looking forward September, to that too. September 4th. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that too. It's just I, enough time for me to read the book again. Well, because of you and one of our listeners slash recent guests on the podcast, uh, I have started a Kurt Vonnegut book that um, Dan Hansen, let me borrow because that's one of his favorite guys, and I believe you spoke with him last about him last time we were on, and uh, it's I like it so far. It's good. Which one do you Which one are you reading? You know what? Uh, the title escapes me at the moment, and so Dan's already laughing at me. Yeah, uh, I don't like read. Really I don't reading. I'm like six chapters in. I started a couple weeks ago, and I've put it down for a couple weeks. But I like it so far. It's uh, just like short stories of him. Uh, during World War II and stuff. Uh, oh, is, it, is it Waterhouse-5? Man, I wish I had the book next, sitting next to me right now. Yeah. Or in your possession. Um, yeah, Vonnegut, Vonnegut was in World War II, so, so a lot yeah. of his 
lot of his books kind of circle around the, uh, some of the, the action in that time. But since since I'm only you know five or six chapters in 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 anything here, uh, I <laughs> didn't know that that was a common necessarily a common theme for him. But it it is the uh, Armageddon in retrospect. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've read that one too. Um, yeah, Vonnegut was in a was in a meat locker in Dresden at the end of the war when the Allies firebombed the entire city. And then um, he survived it because he was underground. But then he and some of his uh, fellow POWs had to clean up um, the bodies in the city, and and it and it it profoundly affected him. It profoundly affected the way he looked at the world, and um, and it was yeah. So that that uh, so a lot of his books circle around that idea of war and. Uh, and whether it's whether it's necessary or not, I guess. Yeah, I'm about a hundred pages in on that, uh, so almost halfway through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I liked it so far. It's been interesting. Well, John, I want to thank you for coming on and talking to us and sharing your Valley League expertise. I know, as has become a habit, unfortunately, when you we have you on, Leland and I end up yelling at each other and. <laughs> pushing you into the background some which i don't like but i'm glad that you deal with it and you keep coming on he gets he gets all that time on 40 just to you know not be interrupted by me that's true (laughs) he's going to really have to yeah because unfortunately most of mine is going to be south knowledge he's really going to have to carry that north topic um but i do appreciate you john taking time to talk to us well, I, I will be spilling a lot of ink on this Valley League season uh, in the in the upcoming months. So, uh, but as always, guys, it was fun to be on, and I, I appreciate it. Yes, and again, folks, if you do not follow him on Twitter, you are making a terrible, terrible mistake. You can find him on Twitter <laughs> at John ATVL. That stands for All Things Valley League. And you should be going to allthingsvalleyleague.com so you can see all the articles he puts out. Great Valley League history during the season. It's hitter of the day, pitcher of the day, game recaps. He does a phenomenal job. And if you like baseball, that's where you need to be. And if you like these Valley Leaguers that, you know, if you're Stanton or Waynesboro fan or however, wherever you're listening from, if you follow the Valley League and you're like, oh, man, I really loved that player. I wonder what they're up to now. You know they got drafted. John will probably be for providing updates occasionally on them, especially when he catches them in the news. He'll put it out there so you can catch up too. He does a fantastic job with it. I cannot recommend it enough. Well, that's high praise indeed. I appreciate that. And John knows because while, you know, obviously I haven't done anything to be negative this episode, um, he knows that that's not always the case. So John knows that it's coming from a place of fact. As I said, I have a bias for the truth. And John is John is one of the best people that covers the Valley League. Well, I, that's not true. He's a truther? He's the is best. He's a truther? No, he's the best. I said he's one of. That wasn't true because he is the best. I, I haven't found any better Valley League coverage anywhere other than John Leonard. That includes 40 sports, which I'm on. So thank you, John. So then I second that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
now Disney, <laughs> you're going to want to go to 4D Sports. John's not going to have your Disney connection, but uh, that is true. When you yep. <laughs> and another in, truth statement by Joe. In yes. fact, he hates the Lion King, which is really weird. But anyway, <laughs> we forgive him, and he keeps coming on and talking to us about the Valley League. I guess one last question. So, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it's so clouded, like so clouded by my experience in East Africa. It's just, it's just not fair. Uh, for me to me to enjoy a movie where they named the warthog warthog, so you know that's just that's just me. Well, it's Pumbaa and Timon. Yeah, Pumbaa means warthog. That's uh, he's saying they named the warthog warthog. But it's just, it's a you ruined it. You've ruined it now for me. Now I now I have to hate it. I guess no, hasn't ruined it for me. But Akuna Matata, John, and we'll have you <laughs> next time. Uh, to <laughs> now see he gets because I don't know what that means and he knows I don't know what that dropping, means dropping Swahili on each other there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you what folks if you can find it I don't know where you would find it now but if you can that first time we have John Leonard on and we ask him his guilty pleasure song and he asks the first us time he was on? yep he asks us how do how's our knowledge of East African pop music? <laughs> I, that will stick with me forever. That was maybe the best response we've ever gotten to that question. Well, I aim to please. Thanks again, John. <laughs> Have a good one. All right, thanks, guys. And thanks again to John Leonard for coming on and talking to us. We always appreciate it. Uh, but I think sometimes he just he he just doesn't. I, I just feel like he sets us up to argue with each other. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder how much of it is his doing sometimes because it's like he knows what's going to make us argue with each other, and then he can just sit back and enjoy the podcast. But with like a little bit of a, I'm sorry to him sometimes. I'm just like, yeah, I'm sorry. We just went at each other there for like a solid six minutes, but. <laughs> I think he I think he enjoys like this the little bit of preview he gets and so he just enjoys it. But I don't know. <laughs> Maybe one day he'll be like, No, I'm not coming on to talk to you listen to you guys yell at each other with me on the phone. But <laughs> I mean Cody has been present for one or two as well. I think those are the two guys that have kind of got it out of us. But uh I think John gets it like every single time. <laughs> he does. But um I want to talk about what's dominating my life. I went to the Orioles Team Hall of Fame induction game on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Rays. It also happened to be the Orioles bird getting inducted into the mascot Hall of Fame. So it was Oriole bird Hall, uh, bobblehead night. Got my Oriole bird bobblehead. It is on the shelf. It's looking great next to the other bobbleheads. Um, got to see J.J. Hardy, who was one of my favorite players. Well, he was my favorite player during the last Orioles playoff core. Um, but... He uh, he gave a great speech. Joe Angel, who was the radio guy for the Orioles for such a long time, was inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame, gave a great speech. Mo Gabba's mom was there as he was inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame, is the second fan uh, after Wild Bill Hagee to be inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame. So that was that was great. Mike Devereaux was there, too. He was kind of, I mean, my friend and I joked, nothing against Mike Devereaux. He had one good year in Baltimore, and it helped them be relevant that year but it was just like there's these three people that have 
really made contributions to the franchise. And then there's Mike Devereaux. And it was just like, okay. And they're like, oh, it's Devo. And I was like, I would have been more excited if the band Devo was here. But okay. <laughs> um, I always remember like his like 19, like 88 Don Russ card. That's that's my Mike Devereaux thing. I mean, it's like, and I think I had like 18 of just him. 1992. Like, he was he had a really good year in Baltimore, and every other year he was just kind of there. And so, um, it's like a Dodger on the card I'm thinking of. Yeah, but JJ Hardy was fun, uh, and and then we watched the Orioles, and that game didn't go great. But um, the over hit. So it wasn't all bad. And um, <laughs> one team hit the over. <laughs> yeah, one team by themselves hit the over. Um, but the Orioles contributed three. It was nice to see Cedric Mullins hit a home run. I thought the guy, the Mateo guy we claimed from San Diego earlier uh, in the week, he played, stole third base, like just outright, was basically getting up at third base when the ball was flying over the third baseman's head. So then he was able to score easily. Um, so he's got speed. He looks to be, you know, maybe a nice solid piece to hold, to be glue until we have a superstar ready or something. But, um, I got to see Wander Franco, who is no longer the number one prospect in baseball because he's now graduated from prospect status, which means Adley Rushman is now the number one prospect in baseball. And he just moved up. He just moved up to triple a. Yes, he did. So that'll be exciting. But, uh, I, I, I had a great time with my buddy and his wife at the game. Um, $6 tickets, couldn't beat that. And uh, it was a great time. Love, love Camden Yards. It was awesome. nice to be back. Yeah, I miss, I miss getting out to some baseball games this summer. So um, hopefully next summer things are in a position for that. I want to take the kids. I, I, when I, before we had kids, I was always like, oh, I'm taking the kids to baseball games all the time, every year at least. And yeah, none of my kids have been to any Major League Baseball game, so I'm failing as a father. We got to get Arlo to an Orioles game. He loves that Oriole bird. I, I'm, I'm okay with that concept, it's just as long as he stays away from that purple black raven thing over there. Poe po can All hang right. out with him. Poe's got a bird face. It'll be fine. Ravens are smart animals, Leland. We'll get to one that's maybe not as smart, but we'll talk about him in a second. You go ahead with what's dominating your life. What is dominating my life was the Olympic coverage. Uh, NBC does a great job. They dump a lot of money into really? obtaining the rights for this. What? You are the only person I have heard that loved the Olympic coverage this year, but go ahead. I like it. I like Mike Tirico. That's my thing. I always yeah. liked Mike Tirico. He's a pro. Uh, he just can handle anything he's given, always has. Uh, I've always felt, I mean, he was just, you know, his career grew on ESPN as I was understanding what broadcasting was and, and what it took to be a broadcaster um, in my view from the sports media side of things. Um, he, I always, I always remember Mike Tirico, a uh, special nugget, him and Bill Roth did games together in college. And so Bill Roth was the former ho- uh, voice of the Hokies and then Mike Tirico is Mike Tirico. So, uh, and he's been on Monday night football and everything. Uh, I was surprised NBC brought in Mar- uh, Maria Taylor quickly into the Olympic bowl, but then I thought she kind of slid right in. Uh, I know she was on a lot of the basketball coverage uh, and she had been covering the NBA for ESPN. So it kind of worked out well. Um, I thought that was cool. I, I overall like the coverage and if I'm the only one, that's fine because I think Twitter is just like, I don't know what you want and we don't see anybody else even try to do it. So I don't know what you're comparing to. Um, 
I think particularly Mike Tirico hosting the primetime does a great job. And I, I wanted to hit on that. And for the sake of Peacock, I think it's cool that the digital platform does allow for some special things to happen. If they had Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg on my NBC feed, I, I, I don't want that in that spot. But if I'm seeking something like that, I want to laugh. I want to see Snoop Dogg watching the events that are weirder and, and more uncommon and seeing what funny things he says. I, I, I find that interesting. Uh, and not that I viewed into that a lot, but it was there. So um, overall, I thought I enjoyed the Olympic coverage because I watched so much of it. Um, I think they're individual sports commentators. We talked about um, the swimming guy last week, uh, and I'm just blanking on his name at the moment because um, it's that kind of night for me. Uh, I think they have some individuals that do a really good job, but it seems like whenever I'm watching one of these sports, the, the people know what's going on. They're very prepared, and I appreciate that. And from, from coming from where we come from, doing these Friday night football games, and especially in November and December, getting teams thrown at us that we may never have seen before and know nothing, and you're scrounging for information. I appreciate these guys putting in the effort it takes with high production value, but to really know what they're talking about confidently and say, really set the viewer up to have an idea of what they're viewing. So overall, I like it. If I'm the only one, fine. Yeah, I think, I think mainly the biggest complaint was they didn't know where stuff was live. They didn't feel like NBC did a good job of telling people what was live, oh. what was not. They, fe- they didn't feel like they felt like it was hard to know where to find stuff. And I think that's all fair act, fair criticisms. I, I thought, I don't like how NBC does it on a TV guide where it had lists like four sports and in this block. And you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll find out what's on when it happens. And there's no other way of knowing. Yep. And you go on Peacock sometimes and not everything is available on demand. And I, I think if you're going to have that, you've got cameras at all the events where there is a camera at all the events why can you not put up the whole event on demand? If I if I am super in to, you know, badminton, yeah, if you're, why if you're can David, I not watch every badminton? Every event, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, why can't I watch, you know, Kazakhstan versus Mongolia in badminton if I'm super hardcore into badminton? I, I don't think that should be a thing that I can't do in the 21st century especially if you're paying $3 billion or whatever stupid amount of money you're paying to have the rights for the Olympics. I think that is fair. Every, all the complaints from that area that I heard, I, I don't have anything contrary to say. It didn't get in the way of my enjoyment of the Olympics. I felt like I stayed, though, in a lot of swimming races and track races where you could pick up some of those live in the prime time knowing that you were going to get the gymnastics and other stuff that got spoiled during the day uh, mixed in there. Um, my wife watched a lot of the gymnastics in the morning because she was able to, and, and that worked. I, I missed out on this year. Um, and, and then the next one is in Paris. It'll be better. And then when it's in L.A. Uh, in 2028, it'll be the best. So um, I just it's what it was this year. I understand that. The not knowing if it's live or not, I – heard that complaint directly basically it just says live up there in the corner of the tv if it's live and if it's not there it's on tape play i i i guess it didn't i'm with you on that it was just a popular complaint i heard but yes that's it (laughs) i am with you on that i'm like i don't know it's pretty easy to figure out but okay i but i think i think part of the problem though was like at night when you get to 10 10 30 and some events are going to be on live they're showing some tape delay ones then and I think that's they what aggravates people. So, 
Um, because they still want some of that gymnastics still there in that in that prime time. You know, the, you know, prime prime TV is nine to eleven. That's that's where you got West Coast viewers and East Coast viewers have a chance of watching. You I know, will I say real prime time. Say it again. I will say Peacock is the future, though. Like, if you don't like some of the events being on Peacock, I've got bad news. In yeah. 2024, there's going to be more on Peacock than there was this time. And it's, that's going to be the only place you can get it. Notre Dame football is getting put on Peacock. So buckle up. Yep. I just, I guess my complaint about that a week ago is I just don't think we're quite there yet. And they're using it to play that game of driving people towards it. And I don't like that. But also, I'm old fogey, get off my lawn. So I, I'll accept that criticism while I say that, that I am old school and I just want everything there right in front of me. You know, I, I hated when uh, back in the day when they had the NCAA, you had to buy the ticket from DirecTV to get all the games. Mm-hmm. And I hated that. I was against it then. And then they made it all on Turner and it was absolutely magnificent. So um, that's how I just think things should be. But yeah, I understand that I might have to have Peacock for that to be the case in the future. I, I do understand the logic of that. I'm just not ready for that yet. And I don't want to be forced into it. <laughs> you know, I've thought about this a lot this week. And I think I've turned. The only reason I have like a quote unquote cable and it's not cable, it's YouTube TV. But the only reason I have that is for live sports. So if the live sports want to go to a streaming service, let's go ahead and do it. Let's go ahead. Let's put them all on a streaming service. And you know what, baseball? That's a great way to get get around your blackout problem. You put it on a streaming service. You watch whoever you want. Hell, call it MLB TV. I don't care. And then put the other teams on a streaming service and you get a national game of the week every night on a streaming service. And then you have to get MLB TV to watch your specific team every night if you want. But let's go ahead and do that. Because in the long run, I'll start saving money. Because that's the only reason I have that. All my TV shows, I have to be on a streaming service anyway. So I will just go ahead and cut that cord. We'll kill some companies. That'll be fine. I Guess what? Anything that hurts Comcast is a good thing for America. I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. Comcast is the devil. So anything they want. Who owns NBC, yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> devil. But NBC has Peacock, so they'll be fine. NBC can put their Comcast stuff on Peacock. I don't care. Um, ESPN and yeah, Disney I mean, has ESPN+. Plus. Amazon wants to get in this game. They're starting to get in this game. Netflix, Hulu can jump in this game. Whoever. I don't care. Ever since the idea of cord cutting has been brought up, I've always said, if it wasn't for live sports, I'd be, you know, more okay with this. But I, I got to be able to watch live sports. Like, that's so let's just, just what I'm built on. Let's so do it. Until it's easy, I'm not going to – I'll still be having some kind of – at least like a YouTube TV kind of thing. Like, I'm at the point where I'm looking at, at cutting the cord, but still having some kind of overall – give me all these different sports channels at one time situation for you. I don't know why you haven't done it because you're not an Orioles or a nationals fan. So I don't know why you haven't done it. That that's the only thing that kept me on Comcast as long as it did. I don't have fiber wire to my house and uh, hopefully I don't have fiber wire. What do you mean? I don't have a fiber wire into my house or my townhouse. Well, I don't have another my internet choices are a lot different than yours in Waynesboro, out okay. here in the middle of nowhere. That's fair. So, um, whatever. Yeah, I don't have high-speed wire up to my house. I, I'm high-speed through the air right now, and it works for what we're doing most of the time. 
Uh, <laughs> but for watching TV and I want to be able to watch multiple TVs, I want to make sure I have that faster connection. Everybody, there's 10 houses on my road and eight of them have the fiber wire. Uh, I was just living in a house that the people didn't seem to care about internet. So there you go. Probably a little bit before what, what they would have cared about. But um, what I know that you need to know is that I want to go. The blue you chase, go last. Um, no, I already I already said the magic word. Now go ahead. Tell us tell us about your because I've got two. I've got two. We'll we'll start with the one that Leland doesn't have a problem with. Um, Lamar Jackson was asked today after... I, I do have a problem with this. <laughs> Let's frame it a little different. Oh, you have a problem with what Lamar Jackson said, but you don't have a problem with my stance on it. Um, Lamar Jackson was asked, coming out of COVID protocol for the second time uh, in his young career, that uh, why he still hasn't gotten the vaccine, and he said he's just a little... You know, his reasons he'll keep to himself, and it's personal, and he thinks it needs to stay between him and his family and all this. And I've touched about, I've talked about it before. This thing is getting ready to get FDA approval. I, I just, football players, you're playing a sport where you ram your head against each other and get brain damage. There, this vaccine in no way is more dangerous than that. I, I don't understand. Not to mention whatever ungodly chemical compounds they put in their body to make themselves faster and stronger. Like this vaccine is by far safer than that. So I just don't, don't, don't understand how someone like Lamar Jackson, who's had COVID twice now can sit here and be like, yeah, I don't know about putting this vaccine. I'm just like, okay, dude, like I, I, if we have to forfeit games for you, I, I'm just really not going to have a problem if the offensive line lets the floodgates open and you get crushed one day because they're tired of having to give up checks because you're a bonehead. Like, I, I don't care. Cole Beasley gets smacked across the middle and has brain damage. Okay, well, whatever. He obviously doesn't care about his personal health, so why should I? I I'm tired of these guys saying, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm still looking in the, like, that's where I'm passing. Like the information, we know, like if you, if you're saying you don't know, that means you, you just don't want to, if you can't be a strong enough stance of like, I'm not getting it because of these reasons, or I'm not just playing. I'm not getting it. If you're just like, Oh, I'm not, no, I'm still looking to it. Like, come on. It's the only thing that everybody in the world's talking about (laughs) for a year and a half now. Like just, you, you know, just say it, just say it. If it's not what you think people want to hear, just be man enough to say it. That's where I'm at. The other thing I wanted to talk about was, and this is where Leland and I might disagree a little bit, but um, Barstool and Major League Baseball are apparently in talks to have, I think it was a nationally televised game a week on their platforms. And everybody's saying that this is a terrible idea for Major League Baseball if they're trying to grow their younger audience and blah, blah, blah. They're wrong. It's a great way to grow your audience uh, because in terms of younger demographics, there are a lot of young people who listen to Barstool. So that's just flatly wrong. I know a lot of baseball reporters and old school baseball reporters might not like Barstool and they have their reasons and that's fine, but it doesn't mean it's a bad business decision for major league baseball just because they don't like it. Yeah. Um, I was unaware of this, so I'm reacting to what you have said. Um, 
if Major League Baseball's goal here is, is the younger audience, this is absolutely the right decision. Like, that's what Barstool is priding themselves on. They're the younger audience sports fan. You know, they're the you know, the new sports fan. They're not the old sports fan. So they're going to be pushing viewers towards this game. Uh, I get why Major League Baseball would look into this. I just every time I talk about Barstool and someone going into business with them, I do say you need to be cautious. There's a lot of opinions that have been already said by ownership of Barstool Sports and the people that lead that that is absolutely unacceptable to me. And uh, I hold I hold those kind of statements and and stances against other entities that I don't agree with. And so I hold it against that. So I'm doing it against Barstool as well. I'm not saying I don't follow any Barstool things that I do. I, I see the content. There's certain people I do like, but overall, I'm just not a Barstool fan. So I do think it's worth having some caution, but I understand why baseball is doing it. And um, it, as long as Barstool doesn't, you know, buy into some of those things that have happened in the past, you don't see so much as anymore. Um, then I, it's, it's, it, they'll probably be okay. But at any time that thing could blow up because it's, it's run by people that have said that kind of stuff in the past. And I just yeah. don't think they're beyond making a poor decision with their mouth and, <laughs> it'll be a different kind of broadcast for sure and let me yeah. be clear i'm surprised major league baseball is doing this because they are the last league that i thought would do this um but they're they're thinking about it they're entertaining it which i think is interesting it'll be interesting to see how it goes it'll be interesting to see who barstool puts in that role um yeah. because i think that will have a lot to do with maybe your concerns uh on how worried you should be about something being said that is going to maybe be trouble. Definitely during a broadcast, but there's a lot of outlets on that in that world that there's a lot of outlets, but they cover it anyway now. So I mean, I guess the difference is now it's an official agreement. A lot of different. There's a different a lot of different voices from Barstool and a lot of different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Voices get put out. And I so like something could get said across the, uh, you know, not on a Major League Baseball broadcast that could hurt Major League Baseball. Maybe, but, and I will say, I think Barstool, it'll be interesting to see what they do if they sign this agreement, if it's more like an ESPN thing where, like, hey, we're not crapping on baseball anymore. Or if they kind of let people do what they've done, which is say what you want to say, and we'll deal with whatever fallout happens. Um, That'll be interesting. That will be interesting. ESPN didn't do that. Colin Cowherd said things that were insensitive to people – in baseball, he got suspended at Fox. And then ended up being fired, yeah. Kind of in trouble, you know, it was less trouble, and he said less things, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's happened. Well, it, we touched on it talking to John. I mean, ESPN, yeah. and, and yeah. they don't, the journalistic department of ESPN is almost non-existent now. Like, they're not really in the business of finding dirt where their league partners don't want them to find dirt, and they're not going to talk about it. So That's a little bit different side of the coin, but, yeah. Yeah, it is a different side I'm of the more coin. Referencing if they say inappropriate, like things that are considered inappropriate, you know, and politically incorrect, and even you know, I think that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. But I, I think, and I will say, it's not as prevalent, right? But ESPN just had a very high-profile racial issue in their company. They've had them in the past. They've had gender issues in the past at that company. They've had sexual harassment stuff, sexual assault stuff. 
in that a company. A lot of people have lost their jobs over there. Yes, but it's a it's a problem at ESPN and other networks, and There's so leagues 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 still go to them. Leagues still are partnering with them. It's not as prevalent. You're right. Most of the time, people are fired over it. Suspended, fired. In recent times, I think you know, in the '80s and early '90s, it was rampant and it gone unchecked. But we, America, was in a different time. Mm-hmm. But I think in the time of being a little more conscious about it, ESPN has done a pretty good effort of trying to handle those situations in a correct manner. It has. Um, and like you, I don't love everything that comes out of Barstool. I, there's, I think you and I, it's the same stuff that we kind of cringe at. But I think. I just think that Major League Baseball has a demographic problem right now. I think yeah. their fan base is very old. I think their fan base is not very representative of what the future of this country is going to look like. And so they're trying to find ways to connect with that. Barstool is only the age part of that, I think, or predominantly the age part of that. I think it'll be interesting to see if Barstool is a company that is growing. Whether you like it or not, it's growing. So yeah, I'm interested yeah, to see yeah, yeah. how what it looks like as it continues to grow. I know right now it's a lot of voices from the Northeast, um, but there are voices throughout the country. They have, I think, each college has a Barstool Twitter account that is somehow involved. It, that's a very interesting company that I haven't taken a whole lot of time to dive into how everything is connected to everything. But I just think that. Seeing the people and some of the reasons they're like, this is going to kill baseball's initiative to try to grow young fans. It's the opposite. You could um, not like it. Yeah, I don't understand. I get you not liking it, but it's not going to do that. It's not going to kill the young fan base. Yeah, I it's going to incentivize that. It's yeah, grow I, that. I think it does just that. I, I agree with you there. And I'll probably still probably tune in you know if there's a game on there i'm gonna see what it's like before i hate the broadcast i say like i said gonna, i want to see who not, who's on I'm there i'm interested yeah i'm interested to see who's on there i'm interested to see some of those very prominent voices on baseball that are there are very their fan allegiance is very known i'm very interested to see how they handle that do they let that person call a boston game or a yankee game or a Heaven help us, a Boston Yankees game if they get one. Will Major League Baseball ever give them that? Like, interesting questions that I I do probably not, wonder. Uh, probably not exclusive, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very interested to see. Well, that would be an interesting... I don't think you could not do it exclusive. See, I think whatever game they but, get would have to be exclusive. Then it'll be a long time before they get a Yankees or Red Sox exclusive. I, I would... Yeah. Not disagree with that, but I'm saying whatever game they get, I think it's going to have to be exclusive because whatever other partner, they're going to fight to not have dueling broadcasts. But if there were, I would be very interested to see which one rated better. Well, you do get some dueling broadcasts between internet-provided things and other other sports, uh, but you also do. You, I mean, Facebook has a has an exclusive broadcast of baseball games. Uh, I don't think exclusive, exclusive. It's the exclusive national, but this team still have it uh, for the Facebook one. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that breaks down. I think that's getting into the weeds a little bit. Um, probably stuff that I care more about than most people. All right. Uh, what I know that you need to know, a pretty cool stat. This is a quick one. 
Blue Jays have hit walk-off homers in three different stadiums. So to have a walk-off homer, you got to be home team. And so they've done that at three different stadiums this year. And so that's hard to achieve when most teams play all their home games at, at one stadium. Uh, so, of course, the pandemic forces this. But you'd think, okay, well, maybe that's two stadiums or something. Like, nope, three stadiums because they started their season in Florida then they moved up to Buffalo, and now they're in Toronto. And this weekend they hit a walk-off on Saturday. So that was the third stadium they've hit a walk-off uh, homer in, and I thought that was pretty cool. The last team to do it, your Orioles, in 1898. Not the I know same that franchise. was never happened because you weren't alive, but uh, somebody was alive at that time, and they wrote it down. So uh, that's what happened. I don't know what the Orioles were doing that year to have three different stadiums that they played home games in. It's also but. not the same franchise. Okay. I did use just the stat that was thrown at me. So. Right. I'm just saying that franchise moved, and I think they became the eventual uh, – that might have been the one that became the eventual New York Yankees. Ugh. Heck with that. Um, all right. So I also – you didn't talk about soccer. I was quick on that, so I'm going to hit it quick. Uh, James Kasak, former uh, Yak Sports Podcast uh, interview, he was – he's been – Doing a good job down in Chattanooga uh, for the Chattanooga FC. They're playing in that NISA league uh, that he went to uh, shortly after his time with the uh, MLS Kansas City team. Uh, and he's doing well lately. He seems to be showing up on a lot of uh, Twitter feeds. He was man of the match the other night, uh, having some assists and stuff and some some good highlights. So I'm happy to see a, a local guy doing well in a professional sport there. And even more so him being a Riverheads guy and all that and a Hokie. Uh, I'm doubly happy for that, both my alums there. So very cool for KSAC. We'll try to catch back up on what he's doing down there and talk about it more. But I just wanted to mention that since it's hit my Twitter feed. And uh, I know Rob sent us that as well. And uh, I was excited to see that. So thank you all for listening this week. Hopefully the audio issues are better this week. We're always trying to make the podcast better. And we hopefully have things somewhat figured out now. We will listen back and find out probably close to the same time you guys do. Uh, but either way, we'll be back next week. And make sure you're following us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter and Facebook or emailing us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. And you're subscribed to us on Podbean, Apple, Google, and Spotify to make sure you don't miss any of the action coming up in these coming weeks as we preview the high school football season and then get into it as we'll talk about high school football and high school volleyball and uh, we actually have the Yak Cup that we're trying to put together here to kind of track the, the best school in the Shenandoah district. And so we're excited about uh, that. And we have a system we're working on, and we're going to try to see if that's going to work for us. But we're going to try to name a, a Yak Cup winner at the end of the uh, season. We'll kind of track it as we go along through this fall and winter and then spring seasons. And so something to look forward to there and kind of keep track of as we go. But make sure you're following us and subscribe to us so you can keep up with all the action. We'll be back next week with more Yak Sports Podcast. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.